There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus, we worship you. We love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross for us. Glory be to God. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Today's message is going to kind of be a little bit, uh, a little bit different um, as we get ready to go live on, on Facebook. But um, kind of going to be two messages in one, but they're both really tied together. So um, I'm talking about hearing from God. Hearing from God, and it, it kind of lines up what we've been talking to about the plan of God uh, in, in our lives. And then, um, I, you know, I won't go very long. We're going to go into uh, communion. Today is communion uh, Sunday. So let me see. Maybe I had that just kind of twisted back there. All right. Isaiah 28, and we'll, we'll get started there. In Isaiah 28, and let's read just verses 11 and 12 real quick. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, obviously, he's, talk, he's talking about speaking and praying in the Holy Ghost. All right? Verse 12, he says, To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear it. Okay? See, there's a, there's a, there's a rest and a refreshing that comes when you pray in the Spirit. You know, as it said in verse 11, with stammering lips and another tongue. There's power in praying in the Spirit. You know, and I realize that a lot of, a lot of uh, churches they, today, they don't, they don't believe in praying in the Holy Ghost. They don't even teach on it because they don't understand it. And so what people have a tendency to not understand, they fear. And what things they fear, they don't even want to talk about. And they'll, they'll even say they deny them. Well, um, praying in the Spirit never ceased, okay? And one day tongues will cease. Well, when is that when it will cease? It'll cease when we go to heaven because you won't need to pray in the Spirit in heaven, all right? But uh, so God says, he, you know, he said, there's a, there's a rest and that'll cause the weary to rest. And then there's a refreshing that comes from praying in the Spirit. Isaiah 48 I don't know if we've got a connection back there on the... Okay. I know. Isaiah 48. It's here. Hear you this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and come forth out of the waters of Judah which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. So they make mention of him, but they don't talk about him in truth or in righteousness. They don't speak. You know, it's like a lot of believers today. They'll, they'll go to church and they'll, they'll talk about God. They'll talk about Jesus, but they, they, they don't really speak truths. 
truths. You know, Jesus said, thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. So there's no, there's, no, there's no words coming out of their mouth. They're not speaking, in other words, they're not speaking the word. And that's what was happening in the Old Testament. And I got news for you, it's happening today. There's been times, even in services, in here, in here and other, other places, when, I've, when I have spoken, uh, and the, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Lord says, have the people repeat this. And I'll look out, and, and, and most of the people are repeating it. Then there's others, they've sat there with their mouths shut. And today they're in trouble. Why? Because they rebelled against God. God was trying to send them help, but they rebelled. And that's the same thing that happened back in the Old Testament. Now look down here at, at verse 3 here. It says, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth. And I showed them, and I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Because I knew that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew, and you throw brow brass. I have given, I have even from the beginning declared it unto you before it came to pass. I showed it thee, lest thou shouldest say, mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. Then let's drop down in, in, in the, that part right there. That you know they wouldn't they wouldn't say anything. Called them from the very beginning. He spoke to them and said those things from the very beginning. They didn't hear him. Verse six. He says this. You have heard. See all this, and will not you declare it? In other words, they wouldn't speak it. I have showed you new things from this time, even hidden things that you did not know them. They are created now, and you heardest them not, lest you shouldest say, Behold, I knew them. Verse 8, Yea, uh, you heard not, yea, you knew not, yea, from that time that thine ear was not opened. For I knew that you, would, you wouldest deal very treacherously, and was called a transgressor from the womb. Now that's a powerful statement there that God says. He says, for I knew that you wouldest deal with very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. But back up the first part of that verse, it says that thine ear was not opened. So God, in his word, he shows us here that he has the power to open ears, right, and close ears. God has the power to open your ear that you may hear those ears. Why would he keep your ears closed? Well, he says it right here in the last part. He says that you would deal very treacherously, and you've been called a transgressor from the womb. In another words, you're not going to change what you say. You're not going to change what you believe, so your ears are closed. So you can't what? You, you can't hear what? There has to be a change of heart. There has to come a change of heart in order for God to start moving in our lives. And that means our lives were to him. We, 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 don't give our, we don't give our lives to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I gave my life to you. Now I'm going to pick it my way. No, 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 no. That's going to close your ears to be. To be. Now let's go to, to Isaiah. 
from a child, you know, he, he spent 30 years the things of God to basically was preparing him for three and a half years of ministry. 30 years he invested. God invested in him. He invested in the things of God. So that what? When he, he, could, he could come to a point for three and a half years, God could use him mightily in a ministry that, that, that would last the ages and that the whole world would hear of. You know, so I want you to think back when, when Jesus is growing up as a child and he's learning to trade. Well, now, we all know that he was a carpenter by trade, right? But, you know, you have to understand that as a carpenter, he was being trained, all right, for the ministry. He was being prepared. So a lot of times what people are going through is a time of preparation, and what you don't want to do is rebel in that time of preparation. Because, you know, Jesus did not rebel. He, he did as the Father instructed him. When he went to build something, he did not build it with an attitude of, well, it, it's good enough to get by. No, he grew in understanding about carpentry, and he got to the point where he was, a, he, was a, he was the premier carpenter around. He wasn't just some guy out there trying to get by. I mean, I would imagine that the things that he made were probably the finest of the finest. It wasn't just stuff. See, we don't think about things like that because we don't even think about that aspect of, of the Lord. But see, he grew, and the Bible says he grew in stature and favor with God and man. So he didn't just wake up one day at five years old and say, son of God. And all these things are mine. No, he had to take the Bible, he had to take the Word of God and read the Word of God and start to see in the Word of God himself. So we look here in Isaiah 50, verse 4 here, it says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. Get that revelation right there. He waketh me morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. Now we just read back there, he closed their ears because what? They were going to deal with the things of God treacherously. They weren't going to honor them. They weren't going to, to, um, to, give, to, to speak the word of God in situations. They were going to do things their way. But here's what Isaiah said. He said, He waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. Verse 5, The Lord hath, have, has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. Notice that. That's very key right there. God opened my ear, and I didn't rebel against the Lord. Now, you may just kind of think that that slides on by, but see, what, what the Word is telling us right there is when my ear was open, I didn't get upset because was telling me to do, and I didn't agree with it. Does that make sense? He says, I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. In other words, did I not rebel, but I didn't do things my old way. 
I followed what the Lord was through his word. Verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Now, the Lord Jesus looked at that scripture time and time again, and the more he looked at that scripture, the revelation came to him. This is talking about me. This is talking about me. You know, and I go back to that time he was a, 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 you know, a teenager at the, at the, at the Temple Mount. <coughs> and Mary and Joseph went to leave, and they thought that Jesus was with them. And they got outside the city, you know, a day away or however far they were away from the city. And then somebody said, well, what is that? Well, we thought he was with you. Well, we thought he was with you. And they, you know, then all of a sudden they started to panic. And they went back, and where did they find him? They found him about in the temple. And when they, when they addressed him about, you know, do you know, not know what you did to us? We were concerned about you. We were worried about you. He said, but didn't you know that I, I must be about my father's business? Now, in that saying, see, a lot of people would think, well, that sounds kind of rebellious. No, 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 because he had already set that tent with them. They, they knew because he was already searching as a young child. He was, he was doing it with them, and they knew that he was, he, he, he came to the revelation, I must be about my father's business. Mom, Dad, Mary, Joseph, there's a, God has a plan for me, and I've got to be about his business. So that's why I'm studying the Word. That's why I'm, I'm reading the Torah. I'm studying the, the word, and I want to be around that I can. All right? But the, you know what? Teachers of the Torah were amazed at what he knew. Why? Because he was about the Father's business. He was getting revelation. So we see here, here clearly, his. This is a scripture, uh, especially verse verse 4 and 5, that I use, all right, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. That's a faith confession right there. The Lord hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither did I turn away back. Okay, so you start to see some things happening here. Jesus had to see himself again in the scriptures from age, age, basically age 12 to 30, and that was that planning time. That was him finding out what the plan of God was for his life. And it, 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 he wasn't ready for it until he was age 30. You know, so all those years from being a young man to say around age 20, or so, he, he knew the plan. You know, it got, it, it got clearer and clearer as he got to age 30. And, but when he, by the time he got to age 30, he knew clearly what he was going to do. He was confident. He saw the plan of God. See, and that, that, that's what I'm saying, is you've got to know that God has a plan for you, 
And if you get off that plan, it, it's going to mess things up. All right? And he said here, verse 7, he says, For the Lord God ha will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I not be ashamed. He knows he'll, he'll accomplish what the Father has set for him. You know, that's, why, that's what he means by, I will not be ashamed. I will accomplish the plan that God, the, the Father, has in my life. But see, we got Christians today, they don't even know that there is a plan. They don't even know that. Now go to um, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and I'm, we're getting ready to switch, switch gears here in just a minute. Psalm 119. In this word in Psalm 119, and we're going to look at uh, this set of scriptures in verse 97 through 104. We're going to read through those. Jesus meditated on these scriptures. Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 98, You, through your commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Who's this talking about? Who's that sound like? He did. He had, all, he had more understanding than his teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Well, there's a revelation for us right there. I've refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through my precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Jesus meditated on this day and night. This is one of the scriptures that he saw because this is speaking of him. I mean, as you, as you read this scripture, you see it's clearly talking about him. But see, not only is it talking about him, it's talking about you and me. Because why? Because we are in Christ. So you need to see yourself in the Word. That's why, you, that's why we read the Bible. We don't read it like any other book. This is not a book that you read at one time and you say, well, I've read the, the Bible uh, and it, it was awesome. Well, okay, now read it, read it the rest of your life. Keep meditating on it because there's revelation that God the Father has to give you concerning your life concerning the plan that God has for you. And until you start seeing yourself in the Word, that the Word is talking about you, not about your neighbor, not about your, your, your aunts and uncles, 
Not about your kids or your spouse. or It's talking about you. And when you do that, you're through that process, guess what's happening? Your ears are being opened. You're hearing from God. Because why? You're, you're not rebellious to Him. But see, when we enter that stage of rebellion, what do we do? We start closing our ears. We start thinking about, no, this applies to somebody else. It don't apply to me. But it really, I really see where somebody else is missing. Hold it, hold it. Before you go removing the speck in somebody else's eye, take the two-by-four out of your eye. Why would you go and remove a speck out of somebody else's eye when you have a two-by-four sticking out of your head? In the spirit realm, think how, how silly we look. And the reason why that happens is because we're not looking in the Word of God. We're not seeing the Word of God. We're not hearing what God is saying to us. God's not going to let you run around with a two-by-four sticking out of your head. He will say something to you. He'll, he'll not degrade you or anything, but he's going, the Spirit of God is going to bear witness with our spirit that we're children of God, right? And isn't that what the Word says? It bears witness with our spirit. So that what we're, we're going to see the Word of God in operation in our life. That's the revelation. You know, as we said earlier, wisdom is the principal thing. You've got wisdom to, to, to do what? So that not only can you get saved, but you can stay saved and you can walk in holiness. Walk, you can fulfill the plan that God has for your life right here. And it's in his book. It's in his book. He put it in his book. He put the plan for your life and my life in his book. He, he did not, the plan of God in our, in our lives was not a short life, was not a troublesome life. Yet we see believers having those things come to pass. They have short lives, they have troublesome lives, they have unhealthy lives, they're broke. And pride even settles in on people and they think, well, I, I, I'm broke for Jesus. Jesus didn't say for you to be broke for him. He wants you to prosper in every way. You know, so our ears are open so that we hear what God is saying. Then, you know, and we're going to make this transition into communion now. Because it is, I think you'll see why I, I, I'm, the Lord's having me put these two together because it all has to do with your ears being opened. If you don't hear what the Word of God is saying, you're going to miss revelation that, that Jesus has for us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 now. And I want you to look here because this is probably one of the most important teachings you'll ever receive. It's on, uh, especially on communion. Because we get people in the church today all different reasons why they want to take communion. You know, they like communion, but they don't really understand what communion is really about. So they get hung up in the atmosphere of the communion. How it looks, how it appeals, how it smells. You know, some churches are bringing fresh flowers, things like that. And there's fresh, you know, fresh things in, in the presence so that what the experience, it heightens the experience because why we're so flesh-led people. 
Nothing wrong with those things, but see, you've got to keep them in the right context. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 11 here, look here, in verse 27. Or back up, verse 26. Let's read this part first, and then we're going to get into some things. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show. Now, if you've got a King James Bible, which I do, that word show is spelled S-H-E-W. All right, that word means to, to present, all right, to declare, and to openly for others to see it, to display. In other words, it, it, it's a word that means to display. You will display the Lord's death till he comes again. Let me say that again. You and I will display the Lord's death till he come again. In another words, we are to display what he died for. And all, every aspect of it. Not just so that when you die, you get to go to heaven. That's, that's important. But see, there's more other more important things to it. And then this next verse, Paul says, he says, um, or in verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now that's interesting. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Take a look at that word unworthily. It means, it means to not see why you're doing that, what you're doing. What is the reason why you're drinking uh, the cup? Why are you taking the bread and eating it? It's not a meal. And Paul covers that later on. He says, for, for if, if any of you are hungry, let them eat at home. Then come in for, the, for, for this. All right? This is, not a, this is not a meal to be eaten so that you sit around and you eat the bread and they eat the bread and drink the cup and keep drinking out of the cup. All right, filling yourselves up because you're hungry. Do that at home. This is something different. In an unworthily manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And that word examine him yourself. He's saying, Paul, what Paul is saying, look at your, your, the reason why you're here. Why are you here to partake in this Lord's Supper? Are you here just to do it as an exercise? Are you here uh, asking the Lord for, you know, or, or repenting before the Lord? Are you here to receive from the Lord what he did on the cross for you and I? What his blood and his body meant? Are you here to receive this covenant? This is a covenant. And see, Americans don't understand covenant because we're not covenant-type people. Covenant is very, very bonding. It, it means it's, it, it's very, very depthful. But he says here in verse 29, he says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. 
not discerning the Lord's body because they don't, they don't realize what all this means. That's really a simple uh, phrase. They don't see what this all means. They're, they're just going because, well, we just go to have communion. A lot of people, they go to communion and they partake of it. Why? That's what my mom and dad did. That's what my grandparents did. So we go forward, we take the cup, we take, we take the juice, uh, we take the bread, we eat the bread, wash it down with the juice, and uh, we're having communion. Brothers and sisters, if that is your view of communion, you are making a grave mistake. And that's what Paul was saying. For this cause, verse 30, many are weak. Many are sickly among you. And many sleep. Meaning they're dead. They're not on this planet anymore. For if you would judge yourselves, you should not be judged. Now, see... I don't take that as a negative. I take that as a positive. Listen to what God's saying. I mean, really, if you've got ears to hear, listen to what he's saying. If you judge yourself, you won't be judged. Did you hear that, church? All you have to do is recognize the sin in your life and say, Father, that in my life is sin. I, I know it's sin. I, I ask for forgiveness. I got to get out of the jail card. Because why? I just judge myself. But here's what happens with people they'll judge others. They won't judge themselves. They'll go to get the speck out of their neighbor's eye. Meanwhile, they got a, not only one two by four, they've got two, three, four, five two by four sticking out of their head. And in the realm of the spirit, Devils are laughing at them. The angels are standing back, and the, the angels are not overlooking your transgression because that's what it says in the Word. They will not overlook your transgression. In other words, they can't help you because of the error in, in, in your walk. So he says, he says, For this cause many are weak, sickly among you. For if you would judge yourself, you wouldn't be judged. But when we are judged... We are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. We, we, we bypass that part too. We're chastened of the Lord so that what? We wouldn't go to hell with the world. God's going to correct you. All right? So th that, that's for people that they just go through life and, and they're not doing anything. They're not repenting. They're not judging themselves. They're just... They are. Now, they don't, they don't literally have a golden calf, but they got something they're worshiping, and it's not God. And they think because they go to church or they, they said a prayer one time that everything's right, that, that everything's okay in their life. Now, I want, I want to go from concerning communion and its meaning. We'll look at some scripture here. There are four reasons why people enter into a covenant. All right, you can, take, you can take a look at this. It could be the covenant of marriage. It could be a covenant in nations, where nations enter into a covenant. But there's four basic reasons 
why, why they do that. All right? And this transgresses time because it's, it's always been this way. Number one, the first re reason why they, someone enters covenant is because of relationship. They want a relationship. All right? They want to be connected. Number, number two, for trust. They enter covenant because they understand that part of covenant is you trusting them and them trusting you. Trust is attached to covenant. That's why you see today what Jesus said, so as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the last days, neither marrying or giving in marriage. Why? Because they don't... The reason why couples don't get married is they really don't trust one another. Right. Right. Bottom line, they don't trust one another. Oh, I love him, or oh, I love... No, you don't! No, you don't. You don't even trust yourself. There's an old rock song and the lyrics stand out today. You're fooling yourself because you won't be persuaded. You're kidding yourself. It's true. You're fooling yourself and you're kidding yourself. The third reason why they enter into a covenant is because of love. For love. The fourth reason is protection. For protection. See, and I mean, it's a lot easier to identify this in the marriage covenant because it's true. Because see, really, if you're just living together, you're shacking up, you really don't have any true protection because legally, you're not connected to you. The, the law doesn't see that you're connected. So you have no grounds on each other, legally irregardless of what you've been persuaded that you think you have, you really don't, when it comes down to it, you don't really have it. So those are the four reasons why. All right, and I'm going to give you, there's nine components of covenants. And we'll read those components first, and then we're going to look at The first component of a covenant is the covenant promises covenant promises. And again, this transcends all covenants. Whether you're in, in, in a foreign land and you, you enter a covenant with someone, the reason why they're entering covenant, whether it's two tribes, two peoples, or whatever, is because of covenant prop promises. They promise one, each, uh, each, and, uh, each other something. The second thing that's a component of, of the covenant is there's a bloody sacrifice. There's a, blood, there's a bloody sacrifice that takes place. The third component of it is there's a bloody path. There's a path on the, uh, of that blood so that everyone can see it, so that it's forever etched in their mind that they know it's real. The fourth one is, the component is blessings and curses. All right? And typically what happens in tribal situations is, you know, we're entering into this covenant and we promise to bless you and, and, and do for you exactly what this covenant says. But if you break the covenant, there's going to be a curse come upon you. We're going to come after you. We're going to hunt you down. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. We're going to kill your tribe. Okay, 
That's a natural. This that's that's an, a natural type of covenant, but still, that's a component of of, of covenants. All right. Thank God we've been redeemed from the curse. All right. Uh, the fifth one is a mingling of blood. This is where you know if you were if you were raised in the time that I was, you know, we watched a lot of cowboys and Indians movies, and in the cowboys and Indians movie, they'd always have a covenant with a, you know, they'd have a covenant where the cowboy had a covenant with the Indian, and they. They cut their fingers and then they mingle blood. All right. Well, that's kind of standard uh, component of, of a covenant, the mingling of blood. The sixth one is a change of names. They would exchange names. All right. So their names would become one, and we see that in a marriage covenant. The wife takes on the husband's last name. There's a change of names. All right. Then number seven, there's an exchange of gifts. An exchange of gifts. It's customary. The husband gives the wife a gift. The wife gives the husband a gift, etc., etc. Number eight, there's a covenant meal. There's a covenant meal. And number nine, there's a memorial event. Okay, so let's get into these uh, real quick. Uh, the first one here, if we could look at, is let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we cover covenant promises. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, According as his divine power, he hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now, get a revelation here. This is a promise. He has, he, it says, He has given unto us all things. That means it's past tense. It's already taking place. It's not going to take place. It already has. He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But I want to break that down. That word hath means He has bequeathed to us everything. It's all-inclusive. It's all been given unto us. You have it. All right? That's a covenant promise. When you look here and it says all things that, that pertain unto life and godliness, that word life is the word zoe. It refers to natural life. All right? It refers to natural life here on earth. The word godliness refers to a savior, refers to spiritual. All right? So it, it, that, what it's saying here, it pertains unto the natural life and the spiritual life. All unto us. All right? That's a covenant promise. Uh, in, ver in verse uh, 4, it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that, we, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whereby we've been, we've been given unto these, these precious promises that we would be partakers. The word partaker here is the word kononia. It means things in common, shared, joint property. It's the idea of commonality or connectedness. We share Jesus' nature. A covenant 
promise. Okay, the second one here. All right, the bloody sacrifice. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. See, and all this is in this covenant meal. So when the, when the, when the disciples in that gathered for this covenant meal, they understood what this meant. They understood the covenant meal. It was, they weren't just getting to have bread and, and juice. They understood this was a covenant that Jesus had paid the price for them. All right? Uh, the second one is bloody sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption means it's, it's forever done. It's taken care of. All right? You don't have to take care of it. It's already taken care of for you. He purchased it. All right? He entered in once again and having obtained eternal redemption for us. It's been obtained for us. All right? The third one is a bloody path. All right? As he carried his cross to Calvary, Remember, he was given 39 lashes, not 40, because the Romans were cutting some slack. They only, get him, they only gave him 39. They stuck the, 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 the crown of, of thorns upon his head. So as he's carrying the cross through the streets of Jerusalem, blood is being shed. What is that? A representative. representative. It's a represent, representation of the bloody path. There was a bloody plath. Okay, number four, blessings and, and cursings. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. See, if your ears aren't open to hearing this, it's just going to go with, it's just going to go right over your head. You're going to miss it. What the importance of communion is. It'll cause you to look at communion totally different from here on out or it'll reaffirm what you already know. All right. Number four, blessing and curses. Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All right. That word blessing means to speak good of to speak good of. He's already spoken good of you and me in the realm of the Spirit. That's really what that word in, 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 in heavenly places means. Good has been spoken of you. Alright? Not because you earned it or you deserved it. He did it for you. That's why it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who spoke it, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So the blessing has been applied to us. And of course, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Then number five, a mingling of blood. Now, we don't, I'm not going to turn there, but in Leviticus 17.11, it says that the life is in the blood, right? The life is in the blood. But go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. 
and look here with me. The mingling of blood, it says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Through his blood. So what's, what's happened? Our blood was, was his blood. We've been, we've been mingled with his. We've, been, we've taken his blood. All right? Because in whom we have redemption through his, his blood, not ours, but through his blood, we've been redeemed, all right, through him, the forgiveness of sin. Okay, so that's the, 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 the mingling of blood. Verse 6, or number 6, the, ch the change of names. All right, John 14. Go to John 14. And verse 13, he says this, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what has He done? He's given us His name. The name that's above every other name. We've been given His name. It's a change of names. You, are you and I are called Christians because that name means to be Christ-like. So in the realm of the Spirit, when the devil hears you speaking, he does not hear you personally he hears Jesus speaking. All right? So instead of one Jesus running around the earth, when Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, and the Holy Spirit came, now it went to hundreds, then thousands, and millions, and billions, and trillions, and gazillions now. Now the devil's really got a mess on his hands because he's got a... He's got a but the problem is he can't figure out if they are Jesus or They start speaking and they start saying things that are contrary to the word. That's why God's giving you his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all things in heaven, of all things in the earth, and of all things below the earth. See, that's the power in the name of Jesus. That's why they, they'll, they'll let you talk about You can join clubs out there and they'll say, well, yeah, we all believe in God. Yeah, well, which God? There's only one God. We don't serve the same God as the other gods. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus is his son. And he sent the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he gave us his name to use. The seventh one is an exchange of gifts. Go back to 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel. We want to look at this pattern because it was set forth by, by Jonathan and David. 1 Samuel 18. First Samuel 18, 
And let's look at this. Verse 3 here, it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that he was upon him, and he gave it to David. And his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. So that even David, the robe represents that he gave David identity and authority. The weapons that he gave David represents power. Okay? So there was a covenant exchange. They understood this covenant. David knew exactly what was happening here. Jonathan knew exactly what was happening here. We just read through it and say, oh, that, isn't that cute? Isn't that nice? No, no, no. There's something spiritual taking place here. There's something spiritual that's being taken place here. It's being given from one to the other. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says this in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be, a, be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So guess what? You've got power. You've got authority. Because what? You're a new creation. You're not the old you anymore. You shouldn't identify with the old, new, the old you. You should identify with the new you who is in Christ Jesus. You have authority. You have power. Then go to Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul gives us this word here. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Okay, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. In John 16, verse 15, Jesus says, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and he shall show it unto you, or give it unto you. All things that were Jesus's, he gave unto us. He displayed it unto us that we should display it. All things. You have all authority. You have all power. You need to wake up to it. Then the, the eighth one, which is the covenant meal. The bread represents his flesh. And what that stands for is material wealth. What he has and he is, is yours. The blood is the joining of life and wealth. One in every way. The wine or the juice is the blood. Joining of life and wealth or the flesh. 
in one, in every which way. In healing, in prosperity, in peace, in wisdom, in understanding. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. See, that's what this covenant is all about. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, you have an understanding that everything that Jesus has and did is yours. Right now. Right now. So that's why Paul was saying, he said, if you'll judge yourself, you won't be judged. If you've erred, then confess that. Judge yourself. Don't sit around idly and, and, and act like nothing happened in the Lord. The Lord already knows it. But if you'll, if you'll confess your sins, he said he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your sins he casts as far as the east is from the west. Never to see him again. Never to see him again. So the bread is the, represents the flesh, the material uh, wealth and health. What he has and he is is ours. The wine represents the blood. It's the joining of life and wealth and health in every which way. The ninth one is the memorial event. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. See, it's important for you to see this. In Romans 8... Verse 16, it says this, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If the Holy Spirit does not bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. You're not born again. And there's a simple answer to that. You just get born again. You give your life to the Lord. You ask Him to save you. You receive all of His redemptive work. You acknowledge and you call on His name. And most importantly, you give your life to Him. Your life is no longer yours and you, you read the Word, you walk with Him, you talk with Him, He talks with you, He gives you direction, you receive correction, you have eternal life. What does it profit a man to, to gain the world and lose his soul? It doesn't profit anything. You lost it all because I don't care how rich you are, when you die, you leave it all behind. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're not done here. Memorial event. Ephesians 1, and look at verse 13. It says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you See, there's a memorial event that takes place. All right? The Holy Spirit, who bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, now comes and seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's a promise 
that God has for you. A covenant He has for you. You're sealed with that covenant. And how do you take it in an unworthy manner? You just, you're just taking it and you're not even realizing what you're doing. You don't honor it. You don't value it. You don't continue in it. You go home and you live the rest of the time doing things your way. That's why many people sleep, they're sick, and they're weak. The last one, go back to Romans chapter 8 again. I know we were right there, but we're going to go back because it works better this way. In Romans 8. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If we're children of God, then we're a joint heir. We're a joint heir. All right? That's the memorial. So back here in Corinthians, we're going to take communion right here, right now. If you get your elements, get them ready. In 1 Corinthians 11. See, we come right back into this, to this event. You start to understand the last part of Corinthians when Paul's warning people uh, about taking it in an unworthy manner. You bring judgment on yourself. You open the door for the enemy because of what? Because you don't properly discern the Lord's body that you're in the body, that you've received things, that you're a child of God. You can, you can be sick, you can be weak, and you can go home way before it's time. Why? Simply by not discerning. So he said, he said for as often as we do this, we do this in remembrance of Him. This is a covenant meal that we're partaking of. We're doing it in remembrance what Jesus did for us. We have it. We have it. It's our right. It's our heritage. It's ours. We've been sealed with it. It cannot be taken from you. You have a legal binding right. But if you're going to follow the wolf... And the wolf's going to tell you to do certain things, you're going to, and you're going to give up your right, you lose what he's done for you. You'll be sick, you'll be weak, and you may go home early. But he said, this, take this, Edith, this is of my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and he blessed it. And after the same manner he took the cup, he said, when he'd supped it, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And we said, let the redeemed say so. Amen. 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 So what have you just received? You received healing. You received health. You received peace. You received all the promises of God are yes and Amen. You received them here and now in this lifetime, not when you get to heaven, right now because you need it here. You need all those things here. You know, you, yes, you'll have them in heaven, but see, you need them here and they're dirty here and now. 
That's what this was all about. This is the covenant. Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Praise be to God. Glory to God. Well, we're going to release the, uh, the social media audience, and we're just going to uh, end the service in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that what the Spirit of the Lord revealed to us today, Father, that it's imprinted in our spirits and our hearts and our souls and our minds. Father, be with us all the days of our lives. That, Father, from this point forward, we're not going to take of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, but we're going to judge ourselves. We're going to receive everything that you have already given us because we're joint heirs. We're joint heirs. What Jesus has, we have. What Jesus has, we have. We're not going to get it. We've already got it. By his stripes, we were healed. He became poor that we might be rich. So we are rich. Why? Because we receive it. We receive it. We, Father, we receive everything. That, but thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord. See, now, now that I've received it, I'm going to talk differently. All right? I'm going to talk differently because I'm going to talk just as, oh, I've received it. See, that's faith in action. All right? I'm not going to talk about getting healing. I'm already healed. What's it matter if there's pain in my body? Now, I'm, not, I'm not addressing that pain. I'm, I'm receiving which is healing. That pain will leave. It's leaving already, leaving in your body. If you, see, that's, that's your faith in action. If it's finances, well, he, he became poor that you might be rich. All right? And, and, and then also part of that covenant, he says, if you, as a tither, right? If you're a tither, then it said the, that God would rebuke the devourer for you. If that wasn't enough, he'd open the windows of heaven that there'd be more enough. He'd pour out such a blessing on you, there wouldn't be room enough to hold it. See, that's tithers, right? And you're not a tither, you, you, can't, you can't claim that. You can't stand on that word. But see, when we're in covenant, we understand covenant. See, the more, the, the more people understand covenant, the more they'll start following these other things because they realize they're missing out. They're missing out on what heaven has for us. So, Father, throughout this week, I call these people blessed. I call them the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. Father, everything we put our hands to prospers in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Glory.